Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. All right, well, welcome, guys. Um, So we're going to go ahead and get into the teaching today. So we are going to be continuing our Life as a House message series, and this is part three um, of it. And so what we're doing is we're talking about God's house and what does that mean for us. Um, And so we're defining God's house as the place that God dwells and reveals himself to people. So primarily throughout history, God has used his house, the church, if you will, to be the place that you learn about and, and God reveals himself to us. And so in the Bible, it started with a tent, right? The tabernacle that they would meet with was kind of a portable thing. And then it became a permanent building called the temple in Israel. Um, and then when Jesus came, um, the Bible says that each of us are the, are the temple of God because of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. And then that's lived out in the body of Christ all over the world in the kingdom of God. And so um, what we're talking about is what does God's house look like for us? And so the Bible has a lot to say about what his house looks like, but no one prescribed way to do it. And so we're talking about about what God's house looks like for us at Encounter. So last week we talked about one of the rooms. We're starting to work through the different rooms of the house, and each one kind of represents an aspect of God's house, his church. And so last week we talked about the living room, which represents, can anybody remember the two main words of last week? The living room represents conversation. Uh, close. Connection. Connection and relationship. And belonging. <laughs> <laughs> Connection and belonging. Yeah. <laughs> I, got the, I got like the gist of it. Right. So connection and belongs, right? We want our church to be a place where everyone is welcome and can find a place to belong, which is about fostering an environment where we can know that God is with us. It's about encouraging uh, each other. It's about carrying each other's burdens. It's about praying together and for each other. It's about hospitality and grace and honor, right? These are the things that it means to be in the living room. Well, this week we're going to talk about the next room in our house. And originally I thought about making it the dining room, but as I have thought about it and taken some of your guys' suggestions about it, we're actually shifting it to the bedroom. Whoa! Yes. Yes. So we're talking about the bedroom. Let's keep it clean here, guys. No. Right. But here's what. So we're talking about the bedroom. So here's, here's why. The bedroom is the innermost part of a house, right? It's the innermost part. It's the most private and the most protected space in a house, right? Um, it's not everybody sees it. So the living room, by contrast, is the place that you bring people to who are new to relationships, and it's the space in which you talk and you kind of introduce people and you find connection, you find that belonging. But the bedroom is a place where only select individuals go to. The living room is about groups, but the bedroom is about individualized attention or small attention. And so I was thinking about the types of um, interactions that happen in a bedroom. And so here are some that I thought of. I, I remember growing up or even even to this day, like we'll go on vacation and I'll see um, like uh, my sister will be laying on the bed talking to my mom and they'll just be in the bedroom kind of just laying there. Or there have been times where I'm just hanging out upstairs and Lincoln will come and just be on the bed and we'll just talk or, you know, in that kind of a thing. Um, I think of a husband and wife like laying in bed talking late into the night. 
I think about, you know, kids or teenagers having a sleepover and having a friend in their room all late up late at night watching TV or playing video games or drawing or whatever kids do these days in their bedrooms <laughs> during a sleepover. I think of romantic and physical intimacy that happens in a bedroom. I think of rest. Rest happens in a bedroom. Sleep, right, takes place in the bedroom. And so when we talk about the bedroom of God's house, right, this house, like Encounter Church, we're talking about the space in which we move beyond the stages of, where we move beyond the beginning stages of relationships in with each other and with God. Like there's a deeper place that I think God is calling each of us to with him, but also with each other, um, to a deeper place where you really are known by God and by each other, and that's where life change happens. And so the Bible doesn't call it this word, but the word is called discipleship, right? So in a Christian word, um, fellowship is kind of the, te- the term that you would use for the living room, right? That fellowship is about interaction, interpersonal connection, and that sort of a space. Whereas the, the process of going deeper and becoming, um, you know, being more known and kind of life change taking place is what's called discipleship. And that's what, the, the, what, what, it, what we're talking about with the bedroom. If the living room is all about connection and belonging, then the bedroom of God's house is about intimacy and depth. Intimacy and depth. Both rooms are equally important. So I want to make that clear, right? So the living room is incredibly important. That's the entry space. That's where people um, come and get connected to God's house and get connected into relationships. That's also a place where you have fun. You just do stuff together, right? Like you go do things and you have a good time and you spend time in each other's uh, in each other's mm-hmm. presence. But Equally important is intimacy and depth. And the goal is to move through the rooms of the house, not to just stay in one. So I I kind of thought about the process and how do we go from connection and belonging to intimacy and depth in a relationship with each other or in a relationship with God. And here's the process that happens. And then we're going to talk about what that might look like. So connection and belonging lead to comfort and familiarity. Does that make sense, right? The more time you, you have connections with people, the more time you, you, belong, you feel like you belong, now all of a sudden you're comfortable in each other's space, you, know, you, you, don't, you feel less awkward, and then you're familiar. You get to know each other, right? But then comfort and familiarity lead to openness and vulnerability. So now that I'm comfortable with you, now that I'm familiar with you, my guard gets lowered a little bit, and I feel like I can I can share some things with you now. I can tell you how I feel about something, and I allow myself to feel a little vulnerable, which is about trust, right? That's the idea, is like making yourself vulnerable. No one wants to be vulnerable. That, that, that word, even the word vulnerable, sounds like weakness in a way. But really what we're doing is we're saying, I trust you enough that I will take my armor off. I'll open up so you can see the parts of me that are the most sensitive so that, because that's truly when you are known, you know? But what happens is, is once openness and vulnerability happen, it leads to intimacy and it leads to depth. And when we're talking about intimacy, we're not talking physical intimacy. That's a part of it in some relationships. But intimacy, bless you, is about, is about like, like closeness, like connection on a deep, personal, spiritual, emotional level, right? So connection and belonging leads to comfort and familiarity. Comfort and familiarity leads to being open and vulnerable with each other. And when we're open and vulnerable with each other, we can step into spaces of intimacy and depth. So 
what does life as a house look like from the bedroom? So connection and belonging leading to intimacy and depth. And here's why. It's because we're not just visitors anymore, right? When you're here in the living room, we're just we're kind of like visitors and you're getting to know the space. Like I had some, some of you guys over last night to watch a movie. Like, you know, there's always this space where it's like, yeah, I'm comfortable in the living room, but I'm not going to just like walk through your house and like get the towels out and take a shower. Like, you know, like that kind of a thing, right? But, you, but if you have access into the bedroom, then you probably feel comfortable doing that around the house. That's the concept. It's like there's a space in which in God's house, we're not just visitors. We want to move closer to, to the heart of God, to the heart of a relationship with each other, to where we feel comfortable in that space. And so um, it's kind of like pulling back that curtain and letting people in. And so what we're talking about today in the bedroom of God's house is about intimacy and depth. And what does that mean? What does that look like for us in a relationship with God, but also in a relationship with each other? So first, let's talk about intimacy. Intimacy is closeness with God or each other. And this is from John 15. If you guys have uh, your Bibles or your smartphones, um, pull it out and go to John chapter 15. The book of John is interesting because it's different than the other three Gospels. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke um, are what's called the synoptic Gospels, where they are kind of telling all the same stories but from a different perspective, whereas John was a little bit more storytelling, right? Um, and he constantly referred to himself as the one that Jesus loved. <laughs> like he was a little bit, like he, he re- John clearly had an intimacy with Jesus. Like there was something about his relationship. And so listen to this in John 15, verse 15. This is Jesus talking to his closest disciples. He says, I don't call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I've heard from my father. Jesus is talking to his disciples from a place of intimacy. At this point, he has spent three and a half years every single day with them, walking from town to town, getting into trouble in the cities, you know, um, you know, finding food, not having it today, having a lot of it the next day, you know, taking baths in the river, probably like having to fend off wild animals in the wilderness, you know, like all sorts of crazy things, whatever. But during that time, can you imagine how many late nights they're sitting by a fire and just talking about things? Like, that's where intimacy is born, right? And so Jesus is telling his disciples here, he says, you're not my servants anymore. I don't just look at you as just somebody who's like a cog in the machine. I call you friends. This is Jesus, the one we worship, like the one who created the universe, looking you in the eye and saying, you're my friend. Like, there's an intimacy there. And he says it's because you, like a servant doesn't know what the master is doing. He says, but I have pulled back the curtain. I have let you into my life. I have shown you that. And that's what it means to have intimacy with someone, right? Like you know what's going on, not just what they're doing. You know the motivation and the why behind it. One of my closest friends, his name is Scott Phillips. Uh, He and I, um, people have said that we share a brain, he and I do. Um, and, and I, it's so funny because it's kind of like we, we, um, we like the same, we're two completely different people, uh, personalities. And yet we like so many of the same things. We, we have the same conclusions when we have thoughts about things. Um, we oftentimes will finish each other's sentences or jokes. It's that kind of a thing. And so people have said we, like we share two halves of the same brain. And if like, if any of you have a best friend 
or a spouse that you're really close to, like in that space, you understand that idea of like there's no barriers there, right? There's uh, you're completely comfortable with that person. You know what each other likes. You know what each other dislikes. You know what that person wants, what that person doesn't want, without having to think about it. That is the concept of a relational intimacy, right? And that's what Jesus is ultimately saying to his disciples. What he's saying to us. What he's calling us to is this space in which we spend time with him enough and we learn from him to where that becomes a part of it, to where like, I know what God wants for me. I know what God wants for my life or in a circumstance. I know those kinds of things. And here's what we can pull out of that passage of scripture is that intimacy brings wholeness. It brings wholeness. Like when I'm, when I know that I'm known with my wife, with Heather, or with a, with a best friend, someone I'm really, I can be completely myself with, how do you feel? You feel like your guard is down. It takes less effort. You don't have to like really work at it super hard. And it makes me feel like everything's okay. It's, I'm whole in that space, right? Intimacy brings wholeness with God and with each other. It also fuels relational growth. And what I mean by that is when I, when because I am close and I love that person on a deep level or with God or with, with a person in the room, it makes me want to do that more. It makes me want to be with that person more. It makes me want to see that person more, spend more time with that person. So the intimacy actually acts like a fuel for you to like grow in your relationship. But here's the thing about intimacy, is it must be pursued. It has to be pursued because it's a choice that we have to make. There's no way that you or I or I and God or us and God are going to take a go into a deep place with anyone if we don't choose to do that, because our natural tendency is to kind of keep ourselves at arm's length from things or from people, because as we get closer, we have to sort of pull back the curtain a little bit, and it means we become vulnerable and people could potentially hurt us or we could be let down, right? That's the whole concept. Um, and, then, and then on top of all of our experience in life, some of us have gone through maybe painful circumstances and situations in which it's really hard for us to to step into those, you know, deep, vulnerable, open places. And so what I would say to you is, is that God wants that kind of relationship with us. And he calls us as his followers, as brothers and sisters, to step from the living room into the, the deeper rooms, into the bedroom of his house, so that we can experience true peace and wholeness with each other too. But that has to be a choice. And so how do we do that? Really, with quality time. Um, it's about learning each other and then doing things together. That's really how it works. And so you can see how the living room and the, and the bedroom, they connect, right? Like they work together. The more time you spend with each other, you know, occasionally you'll have time to kind of be with one or two people and maybe you're going through something and that, hey, what's going on? Oh man, today was a horrible day. I had this thing happen. So that's the natural way that, that those kinds of things happen. And that little by little, step by step develops intimacy. So what I'm not saying is, hey, intimacy is a cliff, jump off of it. Like That's not what we're talking about. What we are saying is it's more of like a path. And some days there's going to be a hill that maybe you'll hit a chunk of it. Wow, like, you know, like, I don't know, if you've ever been on a weekend, like, retreat with somebody, like, you know, at a church or something, you come back after that weekend and oftentimes feel a lot closer to that person, those people, because you spent a concentrated time with them. More more so than if you went to the movies, you know. So there, that's just how it is. So, like, taking steps... For intimacy, but the other side is depth. The other side is depth, and this is the other side of the same coin, right? So let's look in what it says in Psalm one, 
verse 3. Psalm 1, verse 3, this is David, the, the, uh, the, he was at the time, he was the king of Israel, and he wrote this. He's talking about someone who has a deep relationship with God. Psalm 1, verse 3, he says, That person is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. So what we're talking about here is intimacy and depth. He's, this is talking about growing in faith and growing in relationships. But here's the thing is that growth really only comes from depth. It only happens by the, the health of its roots. And so this verse right here is talking about a tree that's planted by a river and its leaves don't wither. It's bearing fruit and it's healthy. And even when a storm comes, even when it doesn't get blown over because it has depth in its roots. Um, and so... It's important for us to understand that like, in order to grow in a relationship with God and grow in a relationship with each other, if we want to be like that tree, we have to take steps to grow in our faith. That's an expectation. Um, it's like a building. The taller a building is, the wider and the deeper its foundation has to be. Um, I was, we were in New York City several years ago, and um, when before the the 9/11 um, Ground Zero had rebuilt and then they put the Freedom Tower up, there was a really big hole in the ground where they um, had ripped out a lot of the the underside of it, and then we're going to be fixing it to prepare for the new building that went up. I was amazed at how deep the hole in the ground was because it was that was where they were pouring the new foundations. There were all of these deep structures that go you know hundreds of feet into the ground, and you know for a tower that stands 100 stories tall or more, one of the tallest buildings in the world, of course it would make sense that it would have a foundation that is wide and deep in order to support that thing. And that's the same thing in our faith. In order for us to be the kind of person that does weather the storm, we sang a song today about it is well with my soul, right? That's what we sang. But if you don't have deep roots in God it's probably going to be hard for you to sing that song because you have not experienced God's, God's um, you have not experienced maybe enough, enough in an intimacy, in a relationship with him to know that you'll be strong in the storm. You perhaps don't have enough experience to tell yourself, to know how to tell yourself, no, it is well with my soul. And that's not a, an indictment on anybody. It's just a call to... To, to go for deeper roots. And so, so what I'm really getting at is the, the bedroom of God's house, a significant aspect of our church, of any church, is supposed to be this concept of discipleship, which is taking responsibility as a church is to teach so that you know how to go deeper in your faith. But there's also a personal responsibility side of it, which means I have to take it upon myself to spend time with Jesus to spend time in his word, to spend time in worship, to come to, uh, to come to church and be around, to invest in relationships, to study God's word, to, to dig into it, to meditate on it, right? That's what it really means to, um, to ultimately be, uh, to grow in intimacy in depth. Intimacy encourages depth. It gives us the desire to grow deeper. Depth causes fruit, like it was saying, the, the tree, right? It's like a tree planted next to the water. It bears fruit. Um, 
depth grounds us. It helps us weather the storms, right? When we are deep in a relationship with God, even when the worst circumstances come along, like I can tell my soul, I know it's okay. Like I will be all right. This is not the end of me. Like, and even, even in the worst of circumstances where something does, and I have an eternal hope, I know what my, I know my soul is secure. But this develops through experience and it develops through time. Again, you can't expect to have depth in your relationship with God or with other people all at once. It takes time. And for some of us, it's different. That's difficult for me. I'm a very individualized attention type person. Um, and I am usually the kind of person who's ready to bear his soul at any given moment. So, you know, we'll be like, let's go out for ice cream. And then somehow the, the conversation turns to climate change and, you know, and existential thoughts about like, do you think that like Lincoln, we were camping and Lincoln is just like me. He's like, dad, do you think the multiverse exists? <laughs> you, know? <laughs> so like, you know, and I was like, well, let's talk about that, son. You know, um, <laughs> but that's, I mean, and so some of us, our natural tendency is to want to go deep with people quickly. And for some of us, it's much more of like, a, no, I, I, I really want to, it takes me time to really like allow you into that space. And we need to both be respecters of each other's personalities, of each other's experiences with the guiding principle that the goal is intimacy and depth. That's where the goal is. So if you're a person in the room and you're like, I don't know, I'm not comfortable like letting people into my life, know that, that God is calling you. Scripture teaches that the goal is to have intimacy and depth with God and with other people. Now that might take you years to get there, and that's okay, but the, the idea is to just try to take steps. So the big idea of today's message is that the bedroom of God's house is all about intimacy and depth. So intimacy brings wholeness. It fuels relational growth and depth causes fruit and it grounds us. So the real questions for us before we get into our discussion is how do we achieve intimacy and depth? How do we do that? How can we have intimacy with God? How can we have intimacy with or depth with God and with each other? And if you are taking notes, here's four practical like principles. Okay, Number one is one-on-one -on -one time. One-on-one -on -one time. John 15 verses 4 through 6. I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to summarize it. Jesus is... This is just before he said, I call you friends. He says in verses four through six, he says, like, remain in me, abide in me, and I will be in you. Like, you can't do anything without me, and, like, let's be together. And that's speaking about this intimacy of, like, one-on-one. -on -one. Like, you can't expect to know someone deeply if the only time you ever spend time with them is in large crowds. There has to be a space in which you you know, have con deeper conversations where you do open up about things, right? So one-on-one -on -one time is the way that you start by achieving intimacy and depth. And we need to do that with God too. It's really easy for us to sit in a room and talk to each other, maybe even one-on-one -on -one or two-on-two -on -two kind of a thing. But with God, now I have to make choices. I have to choose to like pull my Bible out at lunch instead of listening to a podcast. Or, you know, I have to decide to, I'm going to take, you know, 15 minutes and just pray about what's going on in my life or in my church family, right? Or just kind of meditate on those things. Like it's a choice that we have to make to spend one-on-one -on -one time with God. Number two is don't be shallow. Don't be shallow. Hebrews 6, 1a, this is the uh, apostle talking and he says, you have to leave behind elementary teaching and go on to maturity in Jesus Christ. And this is a big issue with 
with American Christianity, probably Christianity in general, I would say, around the world, is so many Christians just stay in the shallow space with God, like with Jesus. They just, like, they stay in the elementary stuff, which is, Jesus loves me, this I know, where the Bible tells me so. Like, that's, like, you never move past, like, what does it truly mean to be a follower of Christ and allowing that to inform every area of my life, even the hard spaces? Like maybe it, it, cha- it challenges my assumptions about people that are different than me. It challenges my assumption about the way I spend my money. Like that's where you begin to move into depth in your relationship with the Lord. So, and then with each other. Right? If you're if all you ever talk about is the movies that you've been watching lately with each other, that's those are shallow spaces. We need to be asking each other. You know, like, hey, what's going on with your mom? Like, is everything okay there with that relationship with you? How's your marriage, you know? Like, and remembering what's going on so the next time you see them, you talk to them about that, you know? Like, like those are the things. Like talking about your fears, talking about, you know, like your doubts, like your dreams. Like, again, these things happen over time, but in order to achieve intimacy, and to achieve depth, we have to go beyond the shallow. Number three, stick with it. Stick with it. Colossians 2, 6 through 7, he says, Just as you've received Jesus, continue to live in him. Continue, continue, continue. And it says, rooted, being built up and established in him. So the idea is, is like it's a lifestyle. And again, it's not going to happen overnight, and it requires choices, and it takes time and experience. So to continue while just because we started in a relationship with Jesus he's saying he's saying one on one time don't be shallow and continue to stick with it move forward take steps down the road and really ultimately the last one is be patient be patient and know that it takes time to develop intimacy somebody who is brand new to the church in a relationship with God is not going to have the same conversations with God or with each other who's been in this church for 5 years or in you know, in a relationship with God. So be patient with yourself. You might look around the room and get frustrated that you are not as, you're not the first, you know, it's like your first thought is not to, when a situation comes up, your first thought might not be like, oh, it'll be okay, God's going to take care of me. And you might feel guilty or feel shame on yourself because someone else has a response like in faith that you don't have yet. But that's not the point. Jesus isn't looking at you and going, why can't you be like Kylie? That's not what he's saying. What Jesus is saying is, what is the step of faith for you today? What is the step of intimacy for you today? What is the way that you can take dig deeper today? That's one of our core values as a church is to dig deeper. What's the next step for you? So be patient with yourself, but let's also be patient with each other, right? Like as a pastor, and this is not an indictment on anybody in the room, like as a pastor, I counsel people. And sometimes I counsel people for the same things multiple times, right? And I have to remind myself, like, I might be further down the road in this particular topic because, you know, God has brought me through things or I maybe didn't struggle with that thing or whatever it might be. I have to remember, be patient because they're learning and they're growing, you know? And I'm thankful for when people are patient with me. I'm thankful for a congregation who, when his pastor admits his flaws, you're patient with me. And that is what we need to do. One at a time, one on one time, don't be shallow, stick with it and be patient. All right, let's pray. Uh, God, I thank you for that you are intentional about 
calling us to deeper places in you. It is, um, it's easy to just sort of be a fan on the outside or to step inside the door but kind of just sit down where there, it doesn't require anything from me other than just sitting on the couch. Um, there's so much more. There's so much more to what it means to be in a relationship with you and to be a part of a community of brothers and sisters who are united under you. It's it's a, it's moving from the living room to that bedroom space of, of intimacy and of depth with you but with each other. And from out of that space, we will move into things like the kitchen and responsibility and serving and into our backyard, which is the community and, and what it means to, to, to show other people. God, those are the things, the places you're calling us to. And so thank you that, that you care enough about each one of us and that you want to participate with us. God, I pray that you would help each one of us as we move into our discussion now and even move beyond this place today and throughout our weeks that we would... You would call us. We would recognize you calling us to a deeper relationship with you, that you would put a hunger inside of us to want to know you more, to know more than we've ever known. And, and if we keep reading the same Bible verses, that maybe we try different things, read different devotionals, experience different worship music, have more conversations, but whatever that might be, and the same with each other. Pull us closer to you and to each other in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home, or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.